Oh, well, hey, welcome. Welcome. We, we welcome better the start podcast. the show. <laughs> yeah, we better get started. So let's get, you know, welcome to the, you know, Should Be Common Knowledge podcast. So Jordan, I wanted to ask, um, have you had, I'm having trouble with my breathing with my nose. Uh, and I was telling Jonathan about it, that I have a deviated septum. Uh-huh. I heard you had something in something similar in the past. Yes, I have done it. And then I Twice. broke my nose again. Oh, wow. Uh, and so I have not had it done again. So I still, like, I'm always like, like, I can't breathe well out of my nose. But I don't want to do that surgery again. So I haven't had it done for 20 okay. years. Why, what's the reason you didn't want the surgery? They, something pack your nasal cavity full of gauze miles of it and it stays up there for a few days like a week and then when it's done they pull it out and it feels like they're pulling your brain out of your head i know that because it is the weirdest (laughs) feeling in the world but then you can breathe again (laughs) you can but oh my gosh i just i know that because i had uh a broken nose and 2007 mm-hmm. and after the surgery to fix it they had to do the same thing the gauze was all the way up yep yep they put it in with disinfectant and whatnot they dip it in some solution and, and pushed it in it was horrifying five six days or something like that yep and and so then same I, thing. I had to sneeze in between because you feel that need to sneeze but you're not allowed to sneeze because then they come out and last day it came out and they had to shove it back up in, which was even worse because it feels the same as the <laughs> the first time. But I, I talked to my doctor about it and she was saying that for this time around, they won't need it. Oh, so really? they don't put the gauze anymore. They put like a plastic cap inside of your nose. Oh, just, oh, maybe it's and changed. Stitch it. They stitch it in place with dissolvable stitches. And a week later, you go and they just pick that out, and you're done. It's clean. Oh, nice. Must okay. be like a like a spacer they put up in there or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, how's that can... for some common knowledge for you? Drop that knowledge <laughs> on you. <laughs> just the conversation is is it's fun. Yeah, and it should be common knowledge to all of y'all. Uh-huh. What yes. we just talked about, all the warm up banters, is important stuff, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. Rhinoplasty and nose fixing. Yes, yes, <laughs> should be common knowledge. So we're we're, we're moving up in the world. <laughs> we're making it official. Actually, going to do something with this. Well, you're here again with Luke. We've got JP here, and I'm Jonathan. So welcome, welcome yep. to Should Be Common Knowledge, guys. Uh, a podcast where we talk about things that we find interesting. Hopefully, you do too, and we think it should be common knowledge. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely nothing but the best and things we like, you know, whatever. <laughs> so how's your week going, Jonathan? Oh, it's going pretty well. Um, you know, just uh, freezing up here in the Bay Area. It's been windy as can be. And I found out to find a new apartment, so that'll be fun. But, you know, find, find an apartment in the Bay Area is in, in SF is kind of kind of a challenge. But, yeah, it's a good time. Tell me about it. I know all about that one. I know. It's it might not, be, ch- not cheap. I might be bunking on your couch for a little while. Let me know. We've got space. <laughs> We've set up the second guest room this week, so we have a bed. Oh, just in time. <laughs> just in time. How's Hopefully your you're... week going, JP? <laughs> Good. 
My wife just walked by and said, trust me, you don't want Jonathan as your roommate. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I'm not terrible. <laughs> Says the man who lived on our couch for eight months. Oh, that was like 10 years ago. It's all good. <laughs> well, good to hear that everything's going good with all of y'all. Yep. The fact that I live on Zoom all day long and when the door's shut and they hear me talking doesn't matter. They just they walk just, in. They just come in. You need a sign recording in progress. Oh, I have one. I have one of those hotel door uh, little notices. Do not disturb that I put up uh, because I can't lock the door because if you lock the door, the kids just bang on it. Yeah. Which is louder. So I'd rather have them at least walk in and then they notice I'm on call and then they stop. So <laughs> nice. So you this is how you got to do. So basically, this is the story of how your week has been going. Oh, yes. Every day. Um, <laughs> and then... Um, that's funny, yeah, though, because I saw it on, on Shark Tank. They had someone come up with that idea of having, like, a light at the at the top of your door that's called, like, says busy. Uh-huh. And they started selling those, and people were laughing at them, and then they told them how much they sold. And it was, like, 2 million units over the last two years or something like that. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> It's kind of it's like true. the... I need one, but... It, it worked for a little bit. I, it had a green side and a red side. Green was okay. You could walk in. I'm working. Red was, hey, I'm on call, on camera. Don't walk in. But um, it worked for a little while. And then they just, yeah. It's they don't care after a point. The new at home, <laughs> working at home reality with kids. Yes. The, the COVID, post-COVID world where we are all working from home still, which is fantastic. Wouldn't do it any other way. Love it. Absolutely. Never going back best. to an office again. Never. No. no, not fully at least. I'll I'll have a day so I can have like a day to myself and just go to the office and just be by myself, lock myself up in a room. <laughs> it's like, okay, privacy. Now you go to the office when you want to be alone. <laughs> you, yeah. home, you don't get left alone. That's the new, that's the new escape was to get, go to the office. Yeah. Get some work done where no one's there, not even colleagues. <laughs> nope. Well, I'll catch myself. I won't leave the house for a week or at a time sometimes and don't even realize it. So I've been on call all day long. The kids get home, get them ready, you know, ready for dinner, do some homework, get them to bed. And then five days later, realize I have not left my home. But you know, <laughs> and here and here we decide to do a podcast where we're going to be sitting in front of the computer even more. So, yes, I've Welcome. been in front of the computer. <laughs> this is hour 10 for me today. So let's do this. <laughs> Okay, so then when I say I've had a, a rough day, that doesn't mean anything. Your day is every day is a rough day. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's a rough day. It's a lifestyle choice. I'm good with it. That's true. That's, That's true. It's definitely good. Perfect. That's good. Well, that's a, a new reality, right? You know? It is. It's part of life now. Yeah. So Jonathan is up this week. We got Jonathan for our people, place, or thing. Take it away, Jonathan. All right, so people, place, or thing. This is a feature where we, as the title suggests, come up with something, a person, place, or thing that maybe we try to stump each other or maybe not, but just something that we really feel that topic people should know about. Um, and today, I have actually chosen a person, and, and I kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit, so so Luke, you don't jump in first, but I want to see if JP, do you know if, uh, do you know who Ned Kelly is? It's a person. Honestly, I have no idea. No idea? Never heard of him. No. He, he's he's quite famous, actually, while in certain regions of Where? the world. Where? Take a guess. Ned Kelly. I, I wouldn't have a clue. 
Think, uh, here's a few hints. Think like Robin Hood. Think Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay, but where? Something okay, in that so, genre. So he's a, so he's a uh, gentleman robber or thief and uh, famous in the Deep South. There's oh, definitely, guy. definitely the Deep South, but deeper than you think. <laughs> well, Luke, what do you know about him? I don't know anything uh, other than that, that he was a gentleman robber of some sorts. I always thought he was a cowboy. Yeah, so basically, and he wasn't necessarily a gentleman robber, but he was kind of a folk hero robber, kind of like an outlaw in Australia, of all places, because they kind of had their version of the Wild West like we have here in America. And so a little bit about Ned Kelly, and he's famous. His father was a convict for stealing pigs. He was trying to feed his, he had like seven kids, so he's trying to feed them. And he stole kids in England, or no, I in Ireland. And he, he, stole, he stole kids? He stole pigs. Okay. <laughs> Pigs to feed kids. Um, and he was sent to Australia with his family to go to prison and do like seven years of hard labor or something. And then afterwards, they were promised land to settle in Australia. Really? And, but the land was already claimed by someone else who was squatting on it. So he didn't get his land. So they started off already on like kind of poor footing and they weren't very wealthy and pretty poor. He ended up having to steal uh, a cow to feed his family. And he got sent to six more years and then died shortly after leaving Ned, who's one of the younger kids, like take care of this big family and his mom. When he started taking care of his family, he fell into the wrong crowd and they called them bush rangers instead of outlaws. So these are these folks who are living out in the bush and basically getting in trouble with the law. They become outlaws hiding under the lamb. But he had written this big manifesto about how the poor people were in Australia were being not treated fairly, how their land was not given to them. And so he became really this like hero for the, the, the poor folks. Um, and for the commoners. And so they shielded him and protected his gang. And so it all kind of came to a head. Like they, they put out a huge bounty and, and turned one of their friends to give away their hideout because they were hiding in the bush. And they had their kind of their version of the OK Corral, like the shootout um, with Wyatt Earp. They tracked him down to this, this town and he and his gang had taken over this town in, in the run from the police. And they were going to send up this train full of backup police from Melbourne. And so they sabotaged the track lines, had taken over this town and taken hostage of like 60 people into the hotel. And so the police came, surrounded the hotel and the shootout ensued. Um, and it went all night. And there's a shootout into the hotel. And Ned was injured and so he snuck out the back. Um, and he was going to flank the police. But the, the trick is, and he's basically one of the first people to create bulletproof armor. So this is kind of really what he's famous for. He, he created, uh, and his whole gang had created out of stolen like plowshares, you know, the big part that eats in the earth. They created body armor out of iron, including a helmet. So he looked like basically a knight. So yeah, this like tall cylinder helmet on his head a, a chest plate and then like a part covering his like uh, upper legs and he snuck out into the woods like injured and they still had the hotel surrounded through the night and at dawn he comes out of the the woods and the side out of the bush and i'll read you what they what the reporter said um all of the cops and everyone thought it was like the devil coming to get them because they saw this guy coming out of the steam and he said this uh, journalist had written, with the steam rising from the ground, it looked for all the world like the ghost of Hamlet's father with no head and only a very long, thick neck. It was the most extraordinary sight I ever saw or read in all of my life, and I felt fairly spellbound with wonder, and I could not stir or speak. They had a shootout with him that lasted just under a half an hour, and I've seen the armor. It's in, it's in Melbourne on display. 
And he was hit 18 times with bullets in the armor. And you can see the dent still. And, uh, but the cops noticed that his legs weren't protected. And so they started aiming with the shotgun at his legs and took him down. But he did not die. Um, all of his gangs died there at the shootout. And they took him for recovery. And later they had a trial. And he was hanged at like age 25. Uh, in Melbourne, and his last words were basically, Freedom! <laughs> not freedom. <laughs> <laughs> his last words were, such is life. That's what he said. <laughs> like, it is what it is, basically. Such is life. You know, it's still debated to this day if they should, like, celebrate him as a folk hero or a murderer, because he did kill the police, and they had, but he was, had a rough go of it, ended up at age 25 being hung in the gallo at the massive prison in Melbourne, which I got to tour as well. Pretty cool. So that's Ned Kelly. He's There's been some films made about him, and he's like kind of a famous, their version of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now on IMDb. There's one that came out just in 2019. Russell Crowe's in it. Wow. Oh, fitting. Australian. There you go. True history of the Kelly gang. Take a look and see if you can see the armor. Yeah, <laughs> there's, pretty- there's a, yeah it looks... He, it looks like the knight from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the uh, Black Knight. Oh, yeah. None shall pass. <laughs> That's None what it looks pass. like. <laughs> Love it. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. So that, that's the our... Old th- style can helmet. Oh, yeah. It's pretty wild. Can you imagine that coming out of the mist at you, like at dawn, after you've been in an all-night siege against, like, a burning hotel? So... And here he comes Crazy. shooting. And they said he walked around calmly from tree to tree, shooting at them. And they were firing at him and he didn't fall until they that's figured wild. to shoot his legs. <laughs> so that that's this week's person, place, or thing for you, Mr. Ned Kelly. May he rest All in right. peace or pieces, I guess. Oh, <laughs> okay, that's terrible. <laughs> All right. Now Good. I know. I Yeah, I had never heard of him, to be honest. So That is something I think everybody should A little bit of knowledge know. now dropped on me. Got yeah. It. Yeah, I heard I've heard about the name and I knew something about shootouts because that's what I was thinking with the cowboy. But I did not know this story. This is a pretty amazing story. Oh, yeah. Read through it. There's a whole lot of detail and there's like some disputed versions of what happened here and there. But like, you know, and of course, with these kind of folklore people, they embellish the details a bit. So like at this point, like what's totally true and who said what, you know, but, you know, it's kind of a, a fun story to to remember and know the history of so nice find that was definitely a piece of uh, common knowledge oh yeah everyone should know about mr ned kelly <laughs> i'm not so sure it is common knowledge but maybe now it will be if you're in australia <laughs> the deep south yes. you know it's yeah. it's common knowledge <laughs> yeah we're stretching for the deep south there yes for sure <laughs> pretty much as far south as you can go okay i think we we were going on to our main topic today uh jp jordan's in the house he's gonna drop the knowledge on us uh jordan take it away what's your what's today's dose of common knowledge this one's kind of fun i'm gonna start off with a story though i'm not sure so much as you know how this is relates and i I had a little conversation with jonathan here before we got on how this relates to common knowledge as far as but I, i think this is an experience that everyone should have or no. So I don't know if it's so much common knowledge, but rather experience, but I want to start off sharing an experience with you guys. And then I want you two to kind of relate. And I just, as I was thinking about the topic that we picked for today, this came to mind and just really, I don't know why it just came first and foremost to my mind. 
So I'm going to take you back. So we are, we're going to go way back here. Okay. So uh, early 2000. So we're, we're really going back. We're talking, this is pre-internet here. So um, at, at the time I was uh, at Utah State, I was in college and word got out that Sting was going to be coming to Utah and Sting at that time, he was my favorite artist. Oh my goodness. I'd already seen him multiple times. Um, but hey, any chance to go see Sting, uh, I am all about it. And so back pre-internet, you had to go camp out at the ticket office, so which happened to be at a grocery store, okay? Uh, there was a brand of grocery stores across the state where they sold, had exclusive rights to the tickets for concerts in Salt Lake. So we go there, and at this point, they no longer wanted people to camp out in front of the store, so what you did was, as soon as they announced it on the radio that it was going to go on sale, you went to the store and you got a wristband, okay? So we went to the store and you get a wristband. All that does is give you a number, what order they come in, what people walk in and ask for a wristband. And then a few weeks later, the tickets actually go on sale and you show up at the appointed time and everyone has a wristband that gives you the right to get in line. So we get in line and what they do is, um, so you have any from one to however many people came into the store. And then the day they go on sale, you show up an hour before, before the tickets go on sale, before they drop. And then they randomly pick a number out of the total people in line. So everybody lines up in order and then they randomly draw a number. So all of a sudden say they pick 59. Okay. 59 is now the new one. 58, you're at the end of the line. Okay. So everyone has an, just as even odds to get to the front. So we get ours, and lo and behold, we are the first three ticket holders. So our number gets picked, okay? We get picked, and then what happens is between all the grocery stores, those randomly get assigned for which store gets the first batch of tickets, okay? So we get up there, and we just say, hey, give us the, the max amount. We each bought eight tickets. And they hand us our tickets and lo and behold, it says row one and it has a random number. So we got randomly, okay, so we end up with front row and my ticket, the lucky one I have in my hand still right here, I've got the ticket, I've been holding on to this amongst all others, put me front and center for Sting, microphone right in front of me about two feet away. Um, when we got to the show, we just assumed, oh, a bunch of big wigs, important people. They obviously have the first like 10 rows. Our row one that it said on the ticket, uh, obviously wouldn't, we wouldn't, there's no way this little schmuck college kids, we're going to get front row center for Sting. But you know what? We did. The ushers just kept pointing us, nope, you're up there, you're up there. And we got there. Uh, awesome experience. I remember it to this day. Uh, I mean, so much so that the uh, bass player actually, for Sting, sent a security guard over during the show with a note for my date. He was asking her out. That's <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to forget that one. You were so really close then. Yes. Yeah, so he, he'd actually <laughs> sent a note with the security guard to ask her to, he was going to fly her to New York for their next show. Um, so that, <laughs> you know, didn't forget that one. I mean, uh, but no, fantastic show. So what I want to talk about today is is live venue music concerts, okay? If you have not ever been to a live show, you need to do it. I'm assuming everyone here has, but what makes 
a live show so great versus, I mean, I love music. I love it in any form. I love it uh, online. I love it digital. I love it via vinyl. I love it live. Um, every, I'll take it any way I can get it. But uh, there's something about a live show that just is so fantastic. So that's what I want to talk about today. Um, and I can't wait to hear from you guys. I know both of you love music as well. I uh, had some conversations here. And, and actually, uh, Jonathan, I've been to many a show with you. Yes. Um, so, quite... <laughs> yes. so I want to talk about today, you know, what does it makes that makes this so special? Who are some of your favorite shows that you've been to? Some of your favorite bands, favorite venues? And we'll just kind of get the discussion kicked off that way. So let's go with this. This is a, this is a great topic. A great topic. I mean, because oh, yeah. I mean, there's something about music that just takes you back. So I can remember like that Sting concert, like it was yesterday. Okay, so Luke, let's start with you. Okay. Yeah, this is great because okay, I'll tell you why too. Because okay. it, when I uh, grew up in Holland, I worked for a event management company. Oh. I worked for the company that supplied the the security guards to like the biggest venues in the country. Mm -hmm. So I was weekly, on a weekly basis, I would go see gigs uh, like John Mayer. I've seen Lionel Richie, Lady Gaga. You can think about any, basically anyone and I've seen them. And I've, we also did security on bigger festivals. So I've seen plenty of a, a concert and definitely good ones in there. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, I did that for about six, seven years. So that, that was definitely one of my favorite times growing up in Holland, just walking past. I would walk into the venue and all the security guards would know me. There's like 600 people doing security and they all know me by a first name. And I walk in and they're like, hey, Luke, you're you're here. That's so awesome. And, and then it would, because I was a planner for them, they would like, do you have any shifts left for next week? So they would always throw that in there. <laughs> I'll go inside and, you know, you just get to experience that, that feeling. Uh, they had, Nowadays, they don't do that row one anymore. And especially in Holland, they call it golden circle. So you're just out in the front, uh, but you pay extra for your ticket. Uh, and because I worked for the guys that did the security, I would just walk up to the security guy and he would let me in. So I did golden circle for like the last two years that I was in Holland. So from between 2016 and 2018, I saw every concert golden circle. Uh, Bruno Mars is one of my favorites, by the way. Um, just the guy, I didn't expect it. I'm not the biggest Bruno Mars fan or anything like that. But when you stand there, the guy gives away a show. He's an entertainer. He just takes you and you just feel it. And, music moves you and they start moving along with the music and the horn section starts moving along with the music. And it's just, you know, everything, everyone gets into it. And then it's like, it's just funny to see like, a. I always make a joke that he's four foot eight, uh, but he's, he's very tiny uh, and you see him on stage and the, just the presence that he has and he just captivates you. Uh, that's definitely one of my, my favorite concerts. Um, okay, I've got a question for you then. What is your, I'm going to make you think back. What is your first show you remember going to? Yeah, um, that, that it's, it, it was Dutch music. So it was a Dutch hip hop group. They were very popular back in the day. Uh, I was about 12 years old. That was my first show. It was a small venue, five, 600 people. 
a whole lot of fun. I, I remember the feeling of walking in a venue with like that anticipation when you walk in there and there's mm -hmm. like the, 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 what is it? The cover band, the one that starts the show is already playing and you walk in and you feel that energy the first time I can remember that like vividly till this day. And then the show started and you hear the songs you were listening to on the record, like 500 times over and you hear them live coming out of someone's mouth. It's just my, my, it was like my, my, <laughs> it was just, oh, I was yeah. just blown away. I was just blown away. I remember my first one. Well, it would be years later till I went to an official first concert, but I remember as a child going to the Utah arts festival. I was just going to say the festival with like parents. Yeah. yeah I, I so, was about, just about to say the same thing or yeah, the symphony, so, if that counts. <laughs> no. So, so we're at the Utah arts festival and I hear this music and I'm like, dad, take me over there, take me over there. And it's just a, you know, it's almost like a County fair. So you can walk up and go toward the stage And so this has to be, I'm figuring around, I'm little. So this is around 85, I'm going to guess, 85, 86. And what comes up is in so loud. I remember just hearing it just like this. You could feel the, the music like hit your body because it was so loud. And it was dire straits, money for nothing. Came across so loud. And I remember my dad, we just hung out there for a few minutes, uh, you know, But that was enough to get me. I was like, wow, what is this thing? It was so cool. Um, it was, yeah, it was great. But it would be years later till I think, um, I might have been around 16, where some friends were like, hey, we're going up to Park City. We're going to go to Wolf Mountain. Uh, and uh, went and saw Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That was my first, like, official concert. Uh, and that was wild. Outside, under the, uh, under the stars, up on the mountain. Great venue. One of my favorite venues. Uh, love it. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was my first one. There's a big hotel sitting right on that venue right now. It's it is long no gone. <laughs> yes, but uh, I, I mean, I, I can't even count how many shows I've seen on uh, up on that mountain. Fabulous, fun stuff. Okay, think of this now. Okay, of all the shows you've ever been to, this might be hard because I think there's a difference between what is the best show you've ever been to versus maybe like what was the most fun or... Um, Because I think there's I definitely think, a difference there. Some concerts are just amazing and mind-blowing. Others are just absolutely fun. So I, I will throw out a guilty pleasure right now, okay? The most fun show I've ever been to was at a little club venue in Salt Lake, okay? And actually, the tickets were for Nerd with Pharrell. But really, after he finished his set, Black Eyed Peas came out and... Cool. They played for a good solid two hours or more and burned the freaking place down. It was the most fun I think I've ever had at a show. Not the best show I've ever, not by any stretch, but talk about fun. That was fun. That was a really, really, really fun show. Um, what do you guys got? Well, I got a good one. Okay. I don't know if Jonathan wants to go first or... Well, I'll, I'll talk about a few because I was thinking about the first show when Jordan asked and, I, and I've come up with something because I, I was just thinking about because that goes way back to like junior high, high school when I'm like really, if I'm not thinking like a show with my parents or something, but when I'm independent, going out, buying a ticket, going because I went through a few phases in high school, right, with music. So first off, coming out of like middle school, junior high, uh, we were all super into classic rock. 
like really into classic rock, you know, like the old stuff. And I went and saw this show at the fair park in 1993 and I just looked it up and, and, and the, uh, the, the lineup, bad company, Steppenwolf, Bachman Turner overdrive, Peter Frampton and Steven Stills and 38 special. And it was an all day thing at, it was called livestock 93. It was at the Utah state fair park where they normally have the rodeo. Um, and I remember we went there and it was hot as can be. It was in July in Utah, which is like super hot. July 31st. That was like my big, like first festival show that I went to. I remember that. Cause later on Jordan, I remember we went to uh, Lollapalooza. Cause after that, the, as soon as I heard, like, I remember the first time my music shifted from classic rock was, was at my buddy's house and he played, uh, stone temple pilots. And then grunge just rushed into my life you know it was that era and so we ended up going to like Lollapalooza when they came to town in Ogden was that uh, 94 the next year I think um it was the second year of Lollapalooza so I think it was probably around 94 yeah 94 um the other big show before I left classic rock was of course when my dad and JPA we went to to the Grateful Dead in Las Vegas that was a a major event for me because it would kind of like the whole cultural aspect of it of seeing all the, the fans and the deadheads and the people following that band for years. And, and it was 118 degrees in Las Vegas and we're outside in a stadium. After and they, the sunset. After the sunset. It was 118 degrees. And that was with traffic. And it was with, I think that was 94, with traffic. and It was 94. Then. June 94. I remember that. And... They were spraying down the crowd with the fire hoses just to keep us cool. And people are passing like mushrooms and things down the aisle. And dad's like, keep it passing, boys. Keep it passing. Keep it moving. <laughs> nope. Puff, puff, give. Not for you guys. <laughs> you know, we're like, you know, we're, you know, teenagers with dad at this show. And it was a great memory. Like, you know, I still have that whole day like burned in my brain. That was a classic one. That's definitely a bucket list thing if you ask me. Like, Grateful Dead. Like that's the things you cannot see anymore. Yeah, because Jerry Garcia's gone. He, I mean, he passed. He passed away. I think barely more than a year later, maybe less than two years after that. So um, crazy. That was yeah, my, a great one on the bucket list. My most surprising one. Uh, my guilty pleasure, like you, you said it as well, JP. <laughs> uh, my guilty pleasure was uh, seeing the rapper Game the Game. Uh, in Amsterdam in like a tiny venue. It was not, well, not tiny. It's 1,500 people, but it's not big when it comes to like size. It's not like stadiums or something like that. So it's it's, it's really nice. It's a really nice venue downtown. And I go in and it's not like I know all of his songs or anything like that. A buddy of mine said, do you want to go? 15 bucks for a ticket. I'm like, yeah, it's a show. It's a Thursday I, I'm a student. I'm like 18 years old and something like that. I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we go there and I think and we come in when the first song starts playing. And at the end of the first song, I see a little kid at the, at the front stage and he is talking back to the game on stage. He's like constantly finishing his, his sentences from right in front of the stage. He's screaming at him. And the game notices after the first song. So he stops and his DJ stops the music. And he's like, hey, kid, you want to come up? And this is a 12-year-old kid or something like that. And there are some explicit lyrics in his songs. 
<laughs> but they were coming out of that kid for a good 15 minutes. He kept him on stage, and that kid did three songs with him and finished every sentence. Every sentence. That show was amazing, uh, and it ended up with one of his guys guzzling a vodka bottle at the end of the, the concert and then knocking himself off stage. It was like epic. This is totally epic. Guilty pleasure shows are the best. They're so like we've all we've all got our guilty pleasures that you know you you know you you sing in the car and all of a sudden you're ashamed when someone pulls up next to you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> Maybe yep. not the best music, but the most fun for sure. Uh, something I love, you know, just seeing at a show is the ability that the musician or the artist has to take whether it's a small, small venue or a giant stadium and have an entire group of people eating out of their hands where like the control or mastery of, I mean, you run to, they run to one side of the stage or they run to another and they have everybody hanging on their every word or action. Uh, a couple that I really think of, I mean, Bono with you two works a stadium like, it's a, it's unbelievable. Um, I'd also say Chris Martin with Coldplay. Oh mm -hmm. my goodness! I've seen uh, that. Uh, Jonathan, have you had a chance to see a Coldplay show? I have live? not, but I've seen oh the videos of it and all the. It's it it's is, it's quite the show. Like not just the music, but the whole visual and the experience. It looks like. I had I I love Coldplay music musically, and I like come some of their more slow, serious stuff like I think musically and I, but I was not prepared to go to a show and be bouncing. Like, I mean, literally, I mean, and you just felt, I mean, there was an experience at that show that uh, unlike many I've ever been to, it was pretty wild to be, and it was so upbeat and so fun. Um, it, it really is an experience and it is just wild how, um, the music's only one part, but just that the artistry of the the bands to completely just take hold of the audience is is just something that really I think sets the the artists up on another level. Those that know how to play to a live crowd, because yeah. uh, I think there are some some artists that I've been to that I love that are great artists, and then I've gone to the show and I've been extremely bored, disappointed, or just. Where it sounds off. <laughs> uh, just, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example of this one. And I, this pains me to say because I can love I, this. Can thing. I still butt in and uh, the yeah. Coldplay thing? The, what, what I found very interesting about a Coldplay concert, I always found that smaller venues just for the music alone is like better to mm -hmm. really get, get in touch with the audience. But what Coldplay does, and that's what I found very interesting, is the bigger, the better. Because of the yep. wristbands, the experience only gets better if, if there's more people and it's a bigger stadium or it's a bigger Explain place. the wristbands. Like, why is that important? Explains what the wristbands do. For so those that so don't they know. light up. They light up throughout the show, but they've got like some algorithms running there. And it lights up on cue with the music. So if Viva La Vida comes on, all of a sudden... All of the wristband starts banging onto the music, to the tune of the music, to the rhythm of the music. You'll see light flashing. And it's like everyone taking out their cell phones, you know, how you get yeah. the lights. That Thanks to all the lifting the lighter up to a whole nother level or the cell phone. 
basically. <laughs> so everyone has the lighter on their wristband. So it, you get just 80,000 lights all of a sudden. And it's it's nighttime, right? They start around 6, 7 or something. It's dusk. And then the lights start going on when the lights are out outside. And you just get captivated by that entire bouncing from the lights. Well, you're it's just immersed visually, audio, everything, yeah, audio. All senses. everything. All your senses yeah. get get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's That's, it's unlike any other show I've ever been to, as far as uh, just I got goosebumps right now. Just yeah, thinking about like, it. J- just I, because I, I can remember like, um, well, and then they also did. So they had I remember the show, big giant beach balls that then they released out into the crowd. And those had lights in them too. And so it's just, there's this physicality to it. And then you feel the beat. Um, and they kind of turn their live show into more of, the beat drops a little heavier than it does on the actual albums. And it's a, it's almost more of a, I don't want to say techno, but Party. a rave for non-ravers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, where you could really feel the music. And it, even if you're not a dancer or someone you know, if you're the guy that likes to just sit in your chair and listen to the show at a concert, you're not doing that at a Coldplay show. You're up on your feet and you're tapping your toes and your head is bobbing and you're feeling good and you're feeling it. Uh, and and I don't care if uh, you don't like Coldplay, you're going to like a show by Coldplay. Yeah. Um, it's the experience. You know, yes, it's, it's, it's an experience, which is, which is probably, way, that, it puts it up there as one of, if not the best show i've ever been to mm-hmm. um because it really just is unlike anything i've ever felt or been to in a show it's so hard for me to pick a favorite because uh, like you were talking about venue size right mm-hmm. i lived in denver for about 12 years and denver's a great music city a lot of venues mm-hmm. and you have venues from small like dive bars one of my favorite was called the high dive they had live music they had a little stage there's maybe like a couple hundred people in there at max and you would see these indie bands or groups come through and they would start out at these venues and you could get in for five, 10, 15 bucks. And then the bands start getting bigger and you see them kind of progress to the different size venues through the town. Like maybe they're playing at the Fillmore or they're playing at the Gothic theater or they're moving through. Um, and I'd see them at those shows and you see the dynamics change. They have a little bit more stage production. They have a little bit more, you know, going on with lights or lasers and smoke and stuff. And then they make their way up bigger. They're playing it like the, the big arena downtown indoors, or they make it all the way to Red Rocks, you know, which is the famous outdoor theater with the natural uh, rock cliffs around it in the foothills there above Denver. And you just see the same bands, but the experience changes as they move up and get more. The tickets get more expensive, obviously. The process to get good seats gets harder. Um, But then when you go, it's a whole different experience because maybe you're further back or um, they they change their stage performance to fill the space, right? Um, whether it's um, lights or, you know, you know the whole entertainment value comes up a little bit more or has to to fill that space. Like you said, like Coldplay fills the arena, right? Um, but there's something also to be said about those small shows when you're right there and it's a little more raw with just the music. So, I mean, I, I can't pick one better experience over the other. It's just different. And it's, I, I like you know, having the choice and it's, it's pretty cool to see bands kind of progress through that as they get famous or bigger. And then sometimes they end up like going back to the small venues, you know, because they miss that experience themselves. You know, I, yeah. that was one of my favorite things about living in that town was seeing, I mean, we do have the venues here too, but that was such a great period that mid 
you know, 2000s um, in Denver with all the indie bands coming up. It was such a great time. Well, I think there's something about that intimacy. And I, I'm looking at a ticket right here. I've got pulled out in front of me. Uh, July 12th, 2005, uh, at, in the venue, which is a small venue, uh, small venue slash bar, um, Ray LaMontagne. And I think there might have been 50 people in the bar. That would have been a good show and, in, in that type of venue. It was pretty cool because, I mean, you could pretty much, if you wanted to, walk right up to him and stand right in front of the stage while he was playing. It was just him and his guitar. It was just a guy and his guitar. And it was just, you know. Like op- <laughs> open mic night kind of. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, you know, and I remember, you know, just a, it was only but like a year or two later where he was playing to full sold out, you know, large arenas or, you know, I think concert halls. So, um, I mean, to see him just on stage, just a guy and a guitar, that was it. No accompaniment, no, no one else in the band, just him and his guitar. Uh, that was pretty awesome. You know, just that small intimate space. Uh, I think that really works. That. that really works for like right. the singer songwriter type yeah. vibe. Um, right. Absolutely. I have an interesting story on something uh, you were saying, Jonathan, where they start off with the smaller venues. Mm-hmm. I remember there's a, a Belgian artist called Stromae. I don't know if you guys heard of this guy, but he's... I haven't. You should, you should look this guy up. I'll, it's like a, a, an a Anna... What was it? Acron, no, not an acronym. Antonym of Maestro. Okay. He does Stromae. Okay. And that's his name. Uh, and he does some EDM type French music, but it's it's in a different kind of way. His his it's a very performance based show. I've seen him on Coachella. I've seen him, seen him on different stages. But I remember when he was coming up, and I was working in that in the industry. You could see the guy was doing small small venues like fifteen hundred max, and while he was doing his tour. He got booked on bigger venues. So he went from a small stage in the city center of Amsterdam to uh, this music hall that's filling 5,000. And then because the ticket sales went so fast, they canceled that show and put him in the biggest venue we have, which is 17,000 people. And he sold it out five nights in a row. Oh, wow. This is the same guy. And he was like that. So two days before, he's standing in that small venue, 1,500 people. I see him over there. And then he moves on to like the biggest venue in the country in like a split second, the two days after that. And then he does stadium tours all through Europe. This guy blew up like he went viral and it was like showing in the venue size. That's crazy. Really a kind of an indicator where they are in their their journey, you know. Um, And then... Like, you know, the bands that have been around forever and maybe you're like doing reunion, good farewell tours, they can fill stadiums too, just for the nostalgia of it. Or, you know, there's different phases of the career and different music, but like, yeah, no, it's, it's pretty interesting that the experience also changes between those different type sizes, but in that type of music, it's kind of geared for those bigger spaces sometimes because it's a big dance party and lasers and they can easily fill the space, you know? That's true. Do you guys have like a top three of concerts you can think of? Ooh, you've that's ever tough. seen? That's that tough. That I've ever seen? Oh, goodness. 
I have in storage somewhere my oh. stack of tickets as well. I was I'm thinking about through my tickets right here. <laughs> I wanted oh to make God. a coffee table out of them and like put them in epoxy, like on the yeah. coffee table top, so you could see. But I'm like, that'd be a total table for like the guy's den or whatever, you know? Yeah, like I wanted the, to say the man cave, the man, the man cave. cave that would not fly in the living room for you know for everybody. But um, I had the same thing. I had 120 bands, wristbands from the concerts that I worked at. I, you, you know, you cut them up and you just keep them. And I had f festivals I went to like three days in a row to work or be be there. And I had the same thing. And I, I just didn't know what to do with them. What do you do with them? Put them on a pin board or something? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. I still think it's top three. Box for, oh, man, I'm looking through this. And I just... Rarely do I not love a show. Yeah. Um, it's been very rare. And um, I mean, I can tell you quicker who I didn't like than who. <laughs> yeah. Tell who us I some of those like. that were terrible live. Um, I'm going to say the fray. Oh, from Denver. Really? From Denver. G garbage. They got up, didn't acknowledge the crowd one time, saying they're set. <laughs> There's the dog. <laughs> saying they're <laughs> he set. He agrees and with you. Off. So, no, I'd say The Fray. Yeah, Awful. they were terrible. <laughs> one of the worst shows I've ever been to. Um, and this one pains me greatly because I absolutely love this band. Love, love, love. I'm thinking if we're thinking about the same people. No, the Guns N' Roses oh? live. And, but here's the thing. Guns N' Roses in the 90s or 2000s, probably entirely different than Guns N' Roses a couple now. years ago. I, I saw, saw them, them a couple of years ago. I, I saw, saw them a couple of years ago, and I thought it was painful. Yeah, it, it hurt. And I love the music. I absolutely loved the music, but the concert experience was just, yeah, not worth, uh, not worth what we paid. Absolutely not. And, so and I, everyone I was really disappointed. I have one. I have one for that. Yeah, Ozzy Osbourne. I'm sorry. 2012. I saw him the last time. The guy cannot sing anymore. He he should not be on the stage. I'm I'm very sorry. I'm I'm a big <laughs> fan of Black Sabbath. I love his music, but he was retired already, and he wanted to come out one more time. He shouldn't. He was shaking on stage. He had trouble in his voice. He's like, oh, no, no, sorry. Uh, so to so to quote Jack Black in High Fidelity, the movie, like, is it better to burn out or fade away? <laughs> fade away. <laughs> burn out. One shot. Or, Done. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or Fair if you're fading, don't come back. Yeah. So the but. other one I was thinking of, which was not what I expected life. I'm not saying they're bad. They sound amazing. But there was not a lot of showmanship was Kings mm -hmm. of Leon. Really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's 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 really good. It's it's Caleb. It's it's everything. It's there. The sound is there. But he's just standing and playing his guitar in front of a mic. And he, there's no like association with the, with the crowd or anything. I saw them play in Denver, and, and musically they they're they're on like with really like, good. They sound like their albums, but it's like maybe it's not super entertainment. Like if you're going to like uh, JP, we went and saw Depeche Mode. Remember that show? Oh, mm -hmm. And yep. he like works that stage. Oh my goodness, does he work it? <laughs> <laughs> like there's a presence, you know, like. Uh, that was a that was a, that was an amazing show, but yeah. And well, then you go to others and like they'll come out like you said, like don't acknowledge the crowd. They do their bit, but and everyone has an off night too, right? So I mean, we can only judge based on what we've experienced. That's, but, that's true. I agree. 
you know, imagine you're doing that day in and day out for six months. You're going to have some nights where you're not feeling up to it or well or whatever. But still, um, some just sound terrible live or, or not. You know, they're here, definitely better in the studio. I've got one here for you that was very surprising for me as far as I am a huge, unashamedly huge Prince fan. I think he is so highly underrated as a musician. I mean, I think musicians and people that know, know his skill level. Um, and I think most people just know how great of a pop musician he is. And he's artist. a performer but, too. But, but here's the thing though. I always thought, you know, he comes across as somewhat aloof and non-engaging and, you know, it's, it's Prince. He's almost, you know, it comes across as like, he's this strange, uh, aloof kind of the artist, <laughs> you know, I mean, who goes formerly oh, known as, Prince, you know, <laughs> but to the see symbol. him in, it was so amazing was because I didn't know what to expect. And I thought kind of that perceived notion that I have would have of him. I'm going to the show just to hear the music. And I just assumed he'd get up there and just do his thing, blow my mind and then leave. Uh, we had really great tickets. But he was funny as all get out, super engaging, um, which is not a side that you see. Like if you see interviews with him, he doesn't He's even very open private. his mouth. He looks like he was. doesn't even want to be on camera. But at this show, he was funny as could be and cracking jokes and smiling and funny and just super interactive with the crowd, which was so awesome to see like, okay, this is the real person that, is behind the music. And that was a lot of fun, which I wouldn't have ever really thought of him or got to experience myself unless I went to the show. Cause it I doesn't, would, I would have gone to see that show for sure. No, it, yeah. it was so great. I mean, forget about like him melting the guitar strings. I mean, that just blew my mind. Um, what he can do musically, what he can do there is, is just phenomenal. I think that's what, one of the things I love about the live show is when you get that interactive portion where you get, a little sense of who they are outside yeah. of just the music and the lyrics. And that that's something that I really love about a live concert venue. I, I'm curious, just in case any of you have seen this band, uh, because this is one of the biggest rock bands in the history of everything. Van Halen. No, I, no, never. Went. And you would think this is like a bucket list band. Yeah. Van yep. Halen. Absolutely. Um, well, it's definitely a bucket list now. It's definitely a bucket yeah, list well, now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, the impossible wish list. <laughs> yes. The impossible bucket list. But, but that, that we can go into on another episode. I've got like yeah, yeah, you know, 50 that, of them. You know, but that one was one that, you know, the music was the music. It was exactly what I expected. It sounded exactly like the albums. And it was as rowdy and raucous as the albums. But overall, was kind of like, I don't know. Maybe it's something about just anticipation. Like you have yeah, this and, anticipation. And then when you get like, it is is not everything that you. Because I mean, I've heard every note of those songs over and over and over again. That it just didn't live up to what I was expecting, and so that which kind of has me worried because I have a bucket list here. Of, okay. Of, 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 which is weird because I used to have a ton, but I've knocked a lot of them off. And there are, you know, some jazz bands or some things that I really want to see, but they don't make it onto the big, big bucket list. And I'm somewhat worried because this genre of music has never done well for me in live shows. So I've got, uh, of course, I've just got the Stones because I've got a, the Stones. 
you know, and you're not they're even getting around. the stones now, but they're still out there. Okay. Oh, and, they'll, they'll, they'll wheel them out there. Yeah. They're going to wheel them out. <laughs> they're crazy. So, Those as guys long are as crazy. they can wheel them out, they're going to show up. But here's my next two. Def Leppard and Metallica. Yeah, Metallica. I would definitely and go see Metallica in a heartbeat. are on my bucket list that I've had multiple opportunities to purchase tickets for and go, and I haven't. And I think it's just because I'm kind of wary of that Guns N' Roses experience or big metal shows have just not done it for me live. I don't know why. I got a, I got one for you. I got a redemption one coming up uh, pretty soon, actually, because I went to see RHEP, Red Hot Chili Peppers, definitely one of my favorite bands. And I've seen like their concerts like in the 90s. Crazy, mm-hmm. right? Then I don't know when after Stadium Arcadium, John Frusciante left. So I want to say 2012 is when I saw them live. And I saw that Jim Klinghoffer on the guitars. And I'm sorry, it's not Frusciante. Frusciante is like what you were saying about Prince, right? He would make the strings melt. He would just Uh go into that. And Klinghoffer doesn't do that. He's psychedelic. So he'll put on a pad, you know, put his foot on a pad and boom, 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 boom. Uh And that's what he would do on the solos. And it would be the songs, but not the Frusciante solos. And I'm like, oh, I just missed the, you know, the guitar ripping. And it Uh it didn't happen. So I was very sad. But Frusciante came back and they're coming here in Santa Clara uh, this year, I th- actually in June, I'm going to go see them oh. in a stadium. So I'm hoping this will be redemption because that time, it's not that it's not good. It's still red hot chili pepper. So even on an off day, it's still good enough to keep you entertained for like three hours. But if Frusciante is there, I, I remember seeing uh, 2003 Slane Castle. I don't know if you guys ever saw the, the video for that. No, hey, my God, 80,000 people in Ireland on a castle with the stage built out in front of it. And they go bananas on it, fleeing like some skeleton suit and like ripping the bass <laughs> while, while Frusciante is playing the guitar. And they do like a, some sort of like a fight off with their guitars to, to one, in, one another duet. And then they roll into Californication and it's just like most epic moment I've ever seen on tape. So I'm hoping something like that will happen. Oh yeah. Got to catch them before they stop playing. Right. So that's kind of like, I I have a a ticket book for uh, Paul McCartney uh, in May here in Oakland. And I, you know, I'm like, well, I got to see at least one of the Beatles before they're all gone. And he's still putting out some decent music. He had a number one a couple years ago. So, and he's in his eighties, you know, yeah, the voice is a little wiry and raspy a little bit, you know, because of age. But that guy can write a song, I tell you. I'm excited to see that. Uh, definitely one that's been on the bucket list for a while. But it's also like bands that don't last that long either. I mean, there's only so many that become like an institution like that, right? And stay together forever. Like, you know, U2 is like one of the bands that I always said was my favorite band, but I never listened to. <laughs> um, they've been together forever. Good. It's like almost like they probably should have stopped a long time ago. But I don't listen to any of their new stuff. I don't listen to them on a regular basis. But growing coming up, that was like one of my favorites back when I was like a teenager and into early college. But then I got into a whole because bunch you of still different. haven't found what you were looking for. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, but they put it like you know, like Jordan said, they put on a show. Um, oh, it's a phenomenal show. I I've never the, been uh, disappointed. Yeah, I saw uh, the Pop Mart tour with like the big 
disco ball lemon and it opens uh, up and he's inside there and it's just like what's happening <laughs> uh, i remember uh the vertigo tour uh when city of blinding lights comes on you just get the chills uh i mean i love that about a good show like you can remember that and just you're just standing there in the crowd and all of a sudden you just goosebumps you know the hair on your arm stands up and you get the chills like that's a pretty cool thing and you, you just but but here's the cool thing is you don't get that just straight from listening to an album. But now when I hear certain songs, listening to them on the album, where I had that experience at a live show, it gives me chills again. So you can connect those two. It, it, the the it song brings you, right you back. back there. Mm -hmm. yep. So uh, especially you, some U2 songs and Coldplay, certain yeah. songs, all of a sudden I'm in that stadium feeling that same thing exactly again. So that concert lives on again and again and again. You know, so that, that's why I think the, the live concert is such an awesome thing because it gives you a, it doesn't end at the show. It, it, it lives on. And here I am, some of these shows, we're talking 20 years later, certain songs take me back to that night under the stars and, I, and you feel the exact same way. So, I mean, that's definitely. The, that's the fun part. You feel like you're yes. like 17 again when you hear that song, what you at the concert you saw when you were 17, and you yep. feel that rebelliousness and that that angst, mm -hmm. you know, just coming out, pouring out. It's it's awesome. You know, oh, yeah. yes, Rage Against the Machine. When I'm like, <laughs> well, just think it. Think about it this way. Try to compare like those memories and experiences to like the first time you heard a band on a like a like another format, like on the radio or cassette or a vinyl, you don't remember those experiences. Like no. the first time you put, I mean, maybe once in a while, like, oh, that's a special album, but it's not the same impact because it's the visual, it's the experience, the emotion, you see them live, you see the performance. Mm -hmm. um, it's a whole process too. Like, you know, like Jordan said, like at the beginning, like getting the tickets is a whole process. And so even online now, it's a process. People waiting by the clock to tick and you're oh, you know, hoping to get to be there right in line, you know? So, and then, cursing like you know the uh the uh the service charges and everything else on top but oh getting your God. tickets and then you're gonna go and then it's the event getting there and you're going to friends usually or whatever and it's a whole thing quite if you've never been to a show live it's definitely worth doing you're missing out on life is what i would say <laughs> definitely and it doesn't have to be a big venue just go find something in your local you know dive place that's got live music night live mic night i've had some amazing nights just listening to you know open mic nights and people going up and you know they're just like bearing their soul out there singing a song with a guitar or whatever and it's pretty awesome you know well that's cool. one of my favorite things to do is uh was to go to a small venue someone you've never heard of and then go buy their cd afterwards yeah from you know, them directly uh just Get the Support merch. The hustle, I love that. You know, <laughs> uh, buy their CD and just say, hey, love the show. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do because. Uh, I've been so surprised by doing that at least a couple of times. I, I remember I went to this show of Jack Garrett. He's a British um, artist. I've got his album. Then you know yes. who, who I'm talking about. I so know who live, you're talking about. The guy is an experience if you go there. That's, that's what I've heard live. I, I, I've never seen him live. So the guy is a one-man band. What he does, he'll have like the pads out for like to, to play his drums on, and he'll have a loop pedal at the bottom, and he'll start looping it in. But he also has his guitar around his neck, 
So he'll pick out his guitar after he set his drums in. Then he'll loop his guitar in and just start playing something on his guitar. Then he'll start singing while playing the guitar and still drumming with one hand. I've seen this guy do some, I don't know, he's an acrobat. He's an acrobat. But oh, it's, yeah. the energy was just, it was in an, I saw him in this uh, venue called the Pardiso. It's in Amsterdam city center. It's an old church that's converted to a venue. So cool. they still have the inlays, the glass inlays behind them. And he's just sitting there behind his instruments and just going like crazy. His energy just pouring out. And you just hear people like screaming and yelling and like, ah, yeah. It's just, wow. It, and it, it was just a Tuesday and I just bought a ticket. Like, that's what it was. It was like, wow, I've been blown away. That's like the one man show. That kind of reminds me when I saw... I saw twice at Red Rocks. I saw uh, Jack White play. Um, and the first time was with the White Stripes with Meg White. And she's just doing her rhythm thing on the drum. And he's playing like 50 instruments around the stage. What a show. Oh, my goodness. Like, he's running around. The sound that two people can make, especially if one of them is Jack White, is like <laughs> pretty amazing. It was such a good time. Oh, my goodness. And you're just like in awe because it's like you were Red Rocks. It's the show going on. It's all like coordinated, all white instruments with like red rug and like the backdrop. And it's just like, you know how they had that look in the in their videos, like the red and white scheme. And it's like a whole visual experience, plus the sound. And then just watching them play. It was just, oh, such, that was a great concert. So fun. That's definitely up in the top 10. That's oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's definitely. Good. Definitely. Uh, one of my top 10s, Linkin Park, Rock Rechter. A month before he died. Ooh. A month oh, yeah. before he died. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. You, I was standing in the spot where he came to meet, like, the, the, the audience. He loves to, like, lean in the audience and then start singing from the audience. And I was standing, like, probably, like, not even six feet away. So I saw him. And you see, like, this man is just taking in the energy from that entire audience and he's just in awe of everything that he's receiving. And then a month later, it's just gone. And it's so, I don't know, outerworldly that you, you, can't, you can't comprehend. It's like, you, I saw you last month, and you mm. were having the best time of your life. Oh, yeah. So how we, come? We could have a whole episode on musicians that are gone too soon. That's for sure. And that's definitely one of my bucket lists. After that, it became even a bigger bucket list uh, concert that I went to for sure. If you have bucket list post on our socials, uh, your top five BCK podcast, we'd love to hear them. Um, so many good ones out there. JP, what are some of your bucket list? No, I mean, like I said, Def Leppard and Metallica, I really want to see, and I'm, I'm sure there are a bunch of others, but, um, and did you write down people that are no longer there so you couldn't see them even if you wanted to? It's like the dream bucket list. No, I mean, <laughs> luckily I got Prince. That was that was one on my bucket list. And I I mean, it wasn't like, oh, I need to go see him because he's going to be gone soon. Not like, hey, the Stones or, you know, uh, may they live long and continue Oscar. to play indefinitely <laughs> forever. Um, but at some di point the the party ends you know but um um i mean i really i've i've been able to tick quite a few off you know i mean 
I mean, a few that I'm super stoked that I was able to see before they kind of called it quits, you know, well before their time, you know, Boingo Boingo's one. That was a uh, great show. I went to to the, I saw them. To be able to see live. And that's, that's a band that, oh my goodness, live. Oh, if you have not seen Boingo Boingo live. Danny Elfman is like a genius. They brought on like, it must've been a 15, 20 piece brass band along with them. Um, And it was just phenomenal. Uh, that was in Park City, right? Wolf yep. Mountain outside. Wolf I remember Mountain that. Outside. Um, great, great one. And I think uh, for that show, even uh, first time I th- think I heard 311. I think 311 oh. opened for, but and see, and that's one one of the things I love about the concert is the opening act. 311 played, and my mind was blown. And so then I went down to the record store the next day, and I'm like, Hey, I want a, I want a CD of 311. And they looked at me like I was crazy. Who is, they had no idea who 311 was. And it took me weeks of searching to finally get 311's album. So um, that that is a question I had actually as we were talking that I thought to myself is, how many bands were you introduced to through a live event versus listening to the album first? And was it a different experience for you? Like sometimes you hear a band and you're like, ah, it takes a while to get into it. But some you hear them and maybe even you know, like 311 for you, like you never heard them before. But now yeah. you like you searched out their album. Like, you know, if you had just heard their album, would you have had the same impact instead of like um, seeing them live first? I think it would have. But no, that was one, you know, but I heard so many opening acts that, you know, really you're just like, nah. And but 311 was one where I'm, I'm going to buy that album. They were really, really cool and just couldn't wait to hear more. I've had it happen once where the opening act was better than the actual show. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. It happens often. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked up the guys. I don't remember the band's name or anything from that, but I remember that uh, my sister-in-law wanted to go to a concert. I got us tickets. We went and the opening act was so good. And then I took my brother to the opening act for that show. They were playing a smaller venue in a, in a smaller town uh, close by. And I took him and he was like, oh my God, I have never heard of these guys, but my God, they've blown me away. Or those poor bands, like I'd go to these small venues in Denver on like a Tuesday night and there's three bands playing and the second one is local and all their friends and family come. And then when they're done, they all leave because it's like a school night, a work night. And then the headliner gets up and there's like three people there and they're from out of town. Nobody knows who they are because they're a small indie band. It's like, oh, glad you all left. (laughs) Saw that happen quite a few times. (laughs) Sorry. I've seen some good, good, really great concerts on on a school night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. But I, I still have to say, like, I know you guys didn't can't pick for the best one. Even though I've seen hundreds, there's one that I have been blown away so much. I haven't been blown away since. And it it might come as a curveball, but it was Jay Z and Kanye West that did the Watch the Throne tour in 2012, and that thing was epic. You might not really? like the music or anything, but that show, they came, the first song they came on to do in a stadium venue on two different blocks. They were standing and it was rising up out of the ground. And on the side of that, was it was filled with LED panels. And it was a shark on Jay-Z's side and a bear on Kanye's side. And you would just see the bear like circling that thing and a shark circling Jay-Z's 
And they came on with so much fire and so much passion and actual fire. They had pyrotechnics coming on. Fire all over the stage. They had uh, a, sh a show playing in the background. They had a big, one of the biggest display screens I've seen. And it was just, it was, I was blown away. And at the end, they do a, an encore. And they split up the entire room into seven different circles. And it basically became mosh pits. But then they did an encore with the same song seven times over. And every single time they started the encore again, they would go again. And everyone would just get as much energy as they could and go at it again and just turn into one big mosh pit of 35,000 people. That was like crazy. Wow. Oh, the mosh pit. I remember those days of the grunge yeah. era. You know, you're just struggling for breath and pushing and pulling and. But there's some kinship to it as well, because it's not you're not doing it aggressively to try and hurt the other person, but it's kind of like if someone falls, you pick them up and yeah. keep moving, right? I had but one then, show that I felt like I can't breathe, and this is getting a little ooh. too much because it was everyone was packed forward. That's why I was like, I had to duck out the side. I'm like, uh, stand on the edge because I was like, man, this is too much. But if it's a really well done mosh pit, it's kind of like a back and forth in a people moving around in their space and doing their thing, but not just crowds tra like uh, trampling in. We had some good shows with those uh, and it, it all like fed into high school and all the, all the administrators at the high school had to break it up every time. Like there's a school dance that devolved into like a mosh pit. <laughs> no moshing allowed. Are you a pro mosh pitter or con mosh pitter? It, it depends no, I'm on all about it. Depends not on anymore. how the guys are in it. Cause if they like, Cause you know, like you're saying, if it's a crowd where they're like watching out for each other and picking people up and like, no one's getting like seriously injured. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, I'm probably too old for it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, yeah, I'd say too old for it now. And that's a workout. It is. That's oh tiring. You are exhausted. Oh Eventually you're like, I need someone push me to the side so I can get out for a minute. Cause I need a drink and I need to catch my breath. Cause I'm going to pass out. <laughs> um, I was drenched every time I came out. I don't even know if it was my sweat or someone else's at that <laughs> no. point, but I was drenched. Because <laughs> you kind of almost have to, like, you cannot stop moving. If you stop moving, you're flattened, and you really have to just become gumby to the music, and you're just this liquid that just moves. kind of flows as you get hit. You kind of just, you can't fight against it. You just have to go with it and keep your feet moving so you don't go down. And 10 minutes of that, you're exhausted. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it, but it's, uh, I mean, it's a communal experience just kind of feeling that music, you know? Yeah. Uh, and when done right, it's kind of a, an ethereal kind of experience, you know? So is it, and it's not about <laughs> smacking other people, but it's just a whole bunch of people really feeling the music and, you know, acting it out in a physical manner. So is, this, a, the, is this the workout I've been missing? <laughs> <laughs> But just think about that as a, like a big shared experience, you know, and I know lately the last few years we've been missing some of those big shared experiences, right? You know, we were talking about Zoom earlier, yep. or, you know, like uh, beforehand about like the new normal as you're alone working or whatever, but like those big group common shared experience, a lot of that's coming back, which is pretty awesome. You know, I'm going to a show next week and I'm super stoked for it, you know, and I've been to a couple since or a couple uh, events, but I think that is something collectively we all can like have a common like shared memories or some, you know, really great experiences and, um, and really experience that music in a different way that you just don't get when you're home playing it on your album or whatever. And although I'm 
definitely a fan of vinyl and spend too much money there, but uh, <laughs> going to it is a whole nother level. So, yeah, but I think in, in to, to wrap it up, because we could go on and on about this forever. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things about the big live show, especially the larger venues, and just kind of wrap this up is um, those big live shows, getting out of the parking lot is another experience within itself, which might take you <laughs> anywhere almost as uh, long as the concert. But what's interesting is you get back to your car and you kind of pull out of your stall and you get in line and you're slowly weaving your way out of this parking lot over the next 45 minutes. Everybody has their windows down and they're listening to the same artist again in the car, still singing along where they don't want that experience to end. With their brand new t-shirt on. Yep. They just want to keep (laughs) it going and you just, you know, have cars full of screaming people just singing along to their favorite songs that they just listened to. They just put the album back in and they're just playing it again. And, you know, that's the awesome thing about that, that experience you don't get at home listening to it. Don't get me wrong. I love sitting in a chair, just putting on some headphones, closing my eyes and listening to a great song that I love and just can just uh, experience it that way. But that it's that live show that, you know, is unlike anything else. And really, you know, now that we can get back out into public again and more of these opportunities are opening again to go see live music. You know, it's something I'm really looking forward to and need to get a show back on my docket to get out and see something. So really looking forward to that. And Definitely. Concerts could go on and on. I think you guys are going to hear a lot more about music from us. This is not a music podcast, but we, we all like love it. music. So <laughs> it is going to be a regularly occurring a uh, reoccurring theme that may appear again and again over time. Uh, we've got some audio files here that just, we really love music. So we're going to keep diving into this uh, as we go further. So we hope you guys stick around with us and hear what else we've got to say down the road. We've got some great stuff planned. Can't, can't wait to share it all with you. Awesome. That was show 0.1 and whatnot. <laughs> and whatnot <laughs> and whatnot so glad you guys joined uh should be common knowledge today definitely uh hope to see you again and definitely check out our socials at uh sbck podcast it's so new we don't even know it it's brand new <laughs> sbck brand new. podcast check it out uh we'll post uh, some some uh items about the episode definitely show us your top bucket list concerts um Great yeah, I'm going to post some know. pictures of my uh, my favorite shows. I've still got all the tickets. Maybe we'll throw some of those venues. Let's see the ticket collection. Out. Yeah, throw, yeah, throw so, some of those up. Yeah, so I've got like a whole, a whole, here's one little stack here, you know, just one of several. So we'll throw some photos up on the social, up on Instagram. So go ahead, leave leave your comments. Tell us what do you like about the show. So this this is new for us. So like we said, first episode, give us a shout out, say hello. We'd love to hear from you. And tell us, and, like, uh, uh, what sort of topics you would be interested in hearing about. Uh, we're definitely oh, absolutely. For those. <laughs> what, what topic do you want to hear three guys ramble on about for 45 <laughs> minutes? <laughs> we can do it. We'd absolutely love to. So we'd love to hear from you. Give us a challenge. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Absolutely. With that, we're going to wrap it up tonight. We're going to sign off once again. I'm JP. Better late than never. And I'm Jonathan. Have a good night, y'all. Catch us next time. Peace out.